You're listening to MedEx, the Medical Extrusion Podcast. Presented by U.S. Extruders. Extrude with confidence. Custom extrusion equipment designed for you and your application. Welcome back to the MedEx Podcast. Today we're talking about applying polymeric covers to stents and laser-cut hypotubes. And our guest is Elad Enav, CEO of Metabrain, based in Israel. Metabrain is a contract manufacturer focused on polymeric covers for medical devices. Elad, thanks for joining the Medex podcast today. Thank you, Steve, for having me. It's a great pleasure to be here. Great. Before we get started, please give our listeners an overview of your background and how you got started in medtech. And while you do that, please talk a little bit about the, the medtech development ecosystem in Israel. Great. Thank you. Uh, so, practically, the way that I uh, started the, the medtech is I was in the last uh, year of my uh, um, study in the Technion, the Israeli Institute of Technology, and I had an, an, an amazing lecture the, about the materials in, in uh, the medical device. And he was really good at his job. And uh, I got really excited, and I decided at this point that I want to go to to work for the medical device. And I was in the you know the middle uh, year of my uh, uh, of my fourth year of studying. I uh, started to look for a job, and I was uh, sending cold calls, emails for uh, for startup companies in Israel. One of them it was called the Discotech. It was discotopedic technology, but it sounds cool, and they have a very nice uh, um, a video of uh, some amazing intermedullary nails. I loved it. I sent a, a resume after a, a week or two. I got a call, and um, they told me that to come to interview. And um, I can't say it. Uh, it was easy because the, then they asked me if I'm a student yet, and they said. And I said, yes. So they said, we don't hire usually students. And uh, I asked them to say that, you know, maybe maybe you don't hire students, but you should hire this student. And hmm. it took me three more months to uh, to convince them, but eventually they, t- they hired me to work. And uh, I started as, a, as an engineer, and uh, it was a great experience. I think, you know, I was uh, under two of the most successful uh, entrepreneurs in Israel. And it, it's the point to talk about Israel as a as as an ecosystem. Israel is very good at startups. I think you know a lot of uh, um, a lot of people in the world know that we are uh, the startup nation. A lot of the medical device uh, um, innovation ca- came from here. Um, I think you know starting from given imaging, the uh, the pill to see you know that that actually. Uh, travel through the st- to the stomach. Uh, I think at least uh, one of the initial heart valves came from here. I think it's PVT. Um, and there's a lot, uh, a lot uh, more stories about it. Uh, I think it's partially coming because we have a very good health system from one end, and um, on the other end, you know, we there's a very um, interpre- entrepreneurship. Uh, um, atmosphere here and if you come to a meeting in israel and you'll see the ceo seats and the engineers and technician and the ceo will say something to you 
you probably will see in a lot of time the, the technician rise up and said, you're wrong. <laughs> so uh, there is no way um, everybody can uh, say whatever they think and it's, uh, it's accept- acceptable. And I think the other thing in, in Israel, which is uh, interesting, is that um, we make mistakes and we accept them. And I think, you know, uh, no one is really afraid from doing mistakes in Israel. It's part of the process. And even the, you know, the venture capital, they don't look as a, uh, on a failure, some, uh, someone that disqualify an entrepreneur. They actually, sometimes they see it some, as, a, as something that really engage them to, to the entrepreneur. So it's an inter- interesting uh, atmosphere. Yeah. Thanks for that background, especially, uh, you know, how you got into med tech. It's a good story about persistence. Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, I think, you know, it's part of, uh, part of my nature, at least. Okay. Let's talk about, uh, it, he, let's talk about um, some very interesting topics related to covering stents for catheter tips. But before we do that, please give our listeners a high-level overview of covering stents, including a few clinical applications some of the basic design inputs and, and the main materials used for the stent frame and the polymer covers. Yeah, so I'll start to, to say how I got there. So, you know, after I worked in the previous company that I told you about, about five years, uh, I was approached via LinkedIn, which is showing how yeah. much this is actually strong, um, by an entrepreneur. And he, he asked me, he said, I have an idea. I need an engineer that will work with me. And we co-founded a company that's called uh, Airway Medics, which was uh, dealing with disposables for um, uh, for intensive care. And our initial project that failed completely, by the way, was to try to build an endotractal tube from a, a, from a covered braid. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, interesting because whatever we saw before, it was only covered stent, Mostly uh, the way that we look is on the tracheal stands or esophageal stand, which are self-expendable nitinol uh, covered with silicone, polyurethane, today even EPTFE, some of them. There's a, but it was interesting because we said, okay, let's try. There's probably a lot of knowledge in the industry about it. So, uh, you know, out of our pocket money, we uh, sent to two, two, three, two different actually um, contact manufacturer to, to cover the, the braid that we wanted. It was a polyester braid. And we got a very, and we got back practically a very stiff tubes. And that was the moment that we understood that there is not a lot of knowledge in this area. And we tried to develop this uh, uh, technology on our own. Honestly, it, you know, it's not looking close to what we are doing today, but it was a, the first time I tried to get um, to get uh, into it. So if we look about this uh, um, technology, you know, on the upper level, keep in mind that we, you know, we are looking about composite materials. Composite materials come. There's a lot in the aviation. I was actually in the in the, this orthopedic technology was part of the team that developed uh, one of uh, uh, the first inframedullary nails made of uh, carbon fiber reinforced peak which is a composite material to replace the metal that was there mm-hmm. uh, before. And when you're looking about stents, it's really the same. Uh, stents, 
you know, if you look about the um, stents that are in the gastric system or in the lung system, most of them are being, uh, from, being done from scaffolds, either braid or laser cut or even balloon expandable, cover, uh, covered with the polyurethane and, uh, and silicone EPTFE of fabrics. And when you go to the uh, vascular system or structural heart, you see most of them is uh, with the EPTFE and fabrics. But if you look at it, and it's very interesting to see that you look about cover, you think about cover, but eventually the way that covers attached to scaffold, it's, I think, you know, to the best of my knowledge, at least 80% of what's being done today, or 70%, it's been sewn. And it's amazing to, to, to look at it because, you know, I watched together with my kids uh, Back to the Future a few, uh, few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and they actually focused quite nice things that really happened and quite nice things that didn't happen. But if you would do it to, to the medical device in the 80s, I don't think that no one will believe that in 2023, a lot of people will sit down and practically so covered to scaffold. Yeah. And, and when we got into the business, it was very interesting because most of what we knew, and again, I don't know everything, so I must, might be wrong as well. It was a silicone coated or a polyurethane coated or EPTFE and fabric that was sewn. And we started from the point, together with my partner, Dr. Amir Kreitzer, we started from the point that we say, okay, let's look what's being done today. And most of the coating, at least the silicone and the polyurethane, started from 150 micron, 200 micron wall thickness, and fully encapsulated. And the reason for that is that they had to have a very high wall thickness to encapsulate because they didn't have any bonding to the scaffold itself. So the first thing that we looked is how to how do we bond the uh, the polyurethane or the silicone to the scaffold itself, and we uh, and we put uh, developed a protocol to do that. Um, and today we are able to do it, and it's working quite nicely, and it enables us to go lower in terms of wall thicknesses. To we got a product that manufactured currently between twenty to uh, thirty micron wall thickness. <laughs> And and I think this is you know this is the point that we, we look at it and say okay let's let's start uh, go in that path and you know and then as I said the the Israeli atmosphere it's a very um, let's say it's it it has no fear a little uh, usually and uh, and we thought why why if we succeed to bond a, a silicone or polyurethane with the protocol, why don't we try to, to do it for fabric or EPTFE? And um, and that was the point that we started to do so. Uh, you know, I'm I'm happy to say that this technology, uh, you know, it's an uh, implant, so it takes time to get to the market. Yeah. But there's uh, quite a nice amount of uh, devices that are uh, already in clinicals. And one of them is actually commer- getting commercial this year, so it's um, it's technology that, that catch. It's still slowly because there's a it's an implant and it takes a long time. So after a time, we started to get approach from uh, an Israeli entrepreneurs, 
that said, okay, you do a, a silicon coating and TPU coating to stents. Let's try to do uh, something differently. Let's try to do it to cutter tips. And I think about uh, four or five years ago, we started to get approaches like that, mostly from Israel. Um, and uh, and it and it took us uh, time to get uh, to this point because practically the the pricing the pricing point you need to be much more efficient when you are dealing with the uh, uh, calendar tips because these are disposables and but it get, it brought us to a place that uh, we are able to create <clears throat> to help the, the entrepreneurs that they approached us to create new procedures. Um, I can't state the name because this uh, is still on clinical uh, yeah. ages, but uh, it was very rewarding to see that. And, uh, you know, every month we do a monthly summary to, to the team at Medibrain. And we state uh, the amount of people that being used uh, the, the product uh, that we helped to, uh, to manufacture uh, and what happened to them. And it's... Uh, there's our, there are amazing story in this uh, uh, in this uh, element and and the, the, so, some of the customers actually share it with us, which is amazing. And during this time, we started to see that um, not only Israel started to approach us, and uh, we started to sell uh, abroad um, and to to show the, the capabilities and. You know, the trend that we are seeing that the industry is, uh, at least for the best of what I see, is less uh, dealing with implants or developing new implants and more and more going into therapeutic catheter, new procedures, mm -hmm. new devices that can get to a different location in the body, in the vascular system. And, um, and there's a transfer or a trend in, uh, in specialty catheter tips which is uh, nice to see, and we, we are glad to be able to support this trend. You know, you talked about uh, sutures, and I've seen some pretty cool images of covered stents and, with sutures, and it looks cool, but at the same time, I'm thinking, man, the, how labor-intensive that is to, to, to sew that um, cover to the stent frame. And the second thing I notice is just how much it increases the profile of the stent frame. Yeah, so this is actually, it's, a, it's an interesting, you know, uh, point because first of all, the labor, in, the labor to do a, a sewing to a scaffold can range from four to 12 hours per part, which is amazing. And uh, the scrap rate is really relatively high. And what's interesting also that I heard from certain people, several people, is that it's very, hard to sew and it's very hard to have employees that keep sewing for a long time mm, yeah. they probably change they practically change jobs uh, every year or two and it looks like that for some of the companies actually even that the product succeed the scale up for this situation is relatively tough and so i think you know with the time we will see more and more uh, uh, you know, companies uh, transfer the product to a better, yeah. uh, a better uh, method. In terms of profile, it's um, I think it reduced the profile. 
and it will be a, a, and we saw that it it's we are able to help a customer to reduce the 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 diameter of the delivery systems but i think you know indeed in this case there's also another item that is interesting because a lot of time you need to sew the uh, the fabric or uh, you know or the, the other membranes to the scaffold all in all for all the struts and this is uh, you know, it's challenging to for the loading uh, forces into the sheaths. And what we were, be, we were able to develop, it's a, a technique that we are bonding only in a selective point, the membrane to the scaffold. Hmm. And it helps some of our customers to reduce the loading, uh, the loading force at, and get into a smaller sheath, yeah. which is, which is uh, helping. I think we, another thing that is interesting that we were able to use the same technology to bond markers or electrodes to the fabric. So this is the other, you know, part that is interesting, mm -hmm. and of course seal some of the fabrics area. So the the thing you know with with our technology with the technology that we are using, it's that it's very flexible and can adapt to the to the needs of the customer. Okay. Talk a little bit about, I know sometimes the, the scaffold or stent frame is covered on just one surface, maybe the inner surface or the outer surface, and then other times it's fully encapsulated. Why would you use just one layer versus two layers of fully encapsulated stent versus just a single layer? So that's, a, that's an interesting you know, point. First of all, if you are sewing, you can use only... Uh, one layer, and you see that uh, a lot on 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 different scaffold. But in the past, if you wanted to do something without sewing, you had to encapsulate it. However, because we are using a, a we are using a, a method that we can laminate polyurethane uh, fabric and the uh, EPTFE, so we are able to bond it either outside or inside. And uh, also, um, we can both both sides, but it's a, it's really a matter of what the customer needs, and what is the benefit for the the product. Okay. But the the option are there. In the past, it was used to encapsulate because it needed to hold the scaffold so it won't delaminate. Okay. <laughs> so you you brought up some really interesting capabilities, the dip coding and the selective bonding. Can you talk a little bit more about the convergence of those two technologies that enable, you know, reduced thickness and, and a very low profile and, and crimping radial forces? Yeah. So, so I think, you know, the point that we are, uh, that we are looking at it today, we are using several technologies, but all of them are based on solutions. Practically, we need to uh, prepare a solution from, you know, from solvent and polymer. And we need to treat the polymers to meet these uh, uh, technologies. But we are using today deep coating, spray coating, which in both cases, by the way, we can produce either a membrane mm -hmm. or, produce a, 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 or produce a membrane on a scaffold. It really depends on the requirements. The other technology which is very interesting is the lamination. So we are able to take either, you know, membranes, it might be an EPTFE, it might be a fabric, 
or it might be even polyurethane membrane that we are manufacturing in-house, and to bond it to a scaffold via a binding polymer. We apply our surface activation technique on the scaffold and on the fabric if needed. Then we apply a very thin layer of that binding polymer, and then we laminate the, both of them with the heat and pressure and make sure that the, most of the surface area will be bonded. And it's, enable, it's enabling us high, flex, high flexibility in what we do. And I think, you know, one of the interesting, you know, part that you can see that it has an effect also on other areas. Like today, a lot we are manufacturing some membranes to be perforated and they're bonded to scaffold. And if you need to perforate using a laser drilling or the scaffold, it's relatively complicated because the height of this, the scaffold usually are neat night and all, and they are not repetitive because of the shape setting process. They're not highly repetitive, let's say. And in order to uh, perform the drilling, you need a very precise uh, membrane and dimensions. So what we do, we send it to be drilled using our partners at Resonetics in Nashua. And then we take, we, we get back the membranes and bond them to the, to the scaffold. And so it's not only about uh, reducing the, uh, the wall thickness, it's also about, you know, making the, the supply chain much easier. Right. All right. Let's talk about uh, technology to cover laser cut hypo tubes. So for, for modern steerable delivery systems for neurovascular structural heart, they typically incorporate a thin wall laser cut hypotube, stainless steel or nitinol for superior pushability and torque response compared to a braid or, or a coil reinforcement. So we're talking about a composite shaft situation where there's a, typically a PTFE inner liner, laser cut hypotube, and then the outer jacket materials. The outer jacket materials, typically extruded materials from PBACs, nylon 12, TPU, maybe a 10 thou wall, 250 micron. And when you reflow the laser cut hypotube, there's are often issues with the material flowing into the, the cut portions of the hypotube, which limit flexibility and bending. And on one of our earlier conversations, you talked about a capability to apply very, very thin wall films to the outer surface of the laser cut hypotubes to create a strong bond with the, the PTFE inner liner without a reflow process. Am I correct? Absolutely. So this is a technology that's young. So let's say we are able to apply it today to a 35 centimeter laser cut hypertube. And the interesting part of it is that we are able to apply um, a very thin membrane on the laser cut hypertube. It can, usually we, we are able to do it with the TPUs. However, we can get down to a 20 micron wall thickness. And we are, and, and this is not the, the only thing because sometimes you're looking for a different, um, very different uh, uh, properties along the shaft. So if you look at it, we are able to create different wall thickness along the shaft. Wow. And we are all working to be able to uh, create, to be able to do also different durometer along the shaft. 
And the nice thing about it is that you don't need to do reflow for one end. And the other thing is that with the proper um, um, design of the laser cut hypertube, we are able to also bond the liner in, inside, which is also an interesting uh, situation. Mm -hmm. But again, this is a, a relatively young technology. We are still, and we need to develop, uh, you know, the technology and the machine further. We have several, you know, uh, customers are starting with it. And um, and I think, you know, it, it might make a, a serious impact in the next uh, few years. The, the nice for the engineers to use it is that, you know, the down... The, the downside is that they will need to send it to someone to do that, and they can do it in-house with a hot box, very simple one. Yeah, yeah. The, the upside for it is that always today you need to uh, uh, compromise on pushability or on a, a, a flexibility. Right, right. And with what we do, you don't have to. You can get both of them. Um. So this is, you know, a, a starting point. And I think, you know, what more interesting to look at it is that if you look about character today, the labor work to build the character, mm -hmm. it's crazy because they're using different different uh, tubes in order to create what needed, uh, the flexibility and the talkability that needed. And we can do it automatically. Ah. I know that this technology is early stage like you mentioned but do you kind of envision that the, the technology platform and the manufacturing process that you mentioned without reflow could open up opportunities to navigate very difficult to reach torturous anatomy i think i think it uh, it would i think that's uh, that's uh, the the way that we look at it and you know if if i would imagine it somewhere and again this is far it it need to get like several is until you, you get it but if i imagine it it looks like a rapid prototype of a character shaft yeah eventually you put what you know what do you want which door matter where and it should be able to do that okay let's talk uh, about a couple applications and try to mix in some of the 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 capabilities that with your partner resonetics and we'll, we'll talk about uh, embolic protection devices that prevent embolic debris generated during certain interventional surgeries, such as TAVR, um, from traveling downstream where they can cause a pulmonary embolism or a strike. Metabrain has developed some interesting process and automation technology in this area that goes beyond covering a stent frame. Walk us through the, the laser processing of the micro-sized filtration holes that allow for blood to pass through the membrane while also filtering embolic material. And talk a little bit about how you work with Resonetics on, on, on that particular application. Yeah. So, you know, looking at, and again, this is a joint effort and we, we appreciate there's a lot of support and the collaboration with the team at Resonetics. And we are as a, as a relatively small company and uh, dealing with a, an area that is not that uh, simple to to work through. We try to focus in a very specific processes and uh, to be an expert in these processes. 
That's why we don't offer a wide variety of uh, capabilities. We offer capabilities only in terms of covering uh, of scaffold, creating a membrane, and this is it, Not, nothing more. The collaboration with Zonetics enables us uh, um, to be able to supply to the customer a full supply chain. So when you talk about embolic protection device, you start from a, a, a scaffold, usually make, uh, made out of uh, nitinol, and that can be done in uh, different uh, um, uh, sites of Zonetics, either in Israel or San Diego. Then we are making the membrane on a mandrel we're sending it to Resonetics to be perforated in Nashua. Mm -hmm. And, the, and you know, the collaboration with the, uh, with the Resonetics in that area, that we, uh, we understand the requirement that they need in order to be able to laser drill well. And they understand what we need in order to be able to, to bond it later on to the scaffold. And after that, uh, it's coming back to Medibrain and we bond the, the membrane to the scaffold. So we are supplying through Resonetics a complete uh, uh, um, catheter tip that is that uh, is able to um, to go through the, this process and to help our customers. The the idea, you know, one of the things that we, you know, all of us know, and I think you know it as well as I do, that when you are running through different suppliers. It's very uh, tough to create the collaboration and the, the openness. Mm -hmm. So what we do with the Resonetics is that we are visiting in their sites and see the specific uh, uh, product that we are working with it. And we have also um, to get a meeting where there's uh, challenges and there's always challenges. We have a meeting together and try to uh, to do a root cause analysis or to perform A3. Um, and, and solve these challenges. And the same just last week, uh, two weeks ago, actually, uh, a team of uh, Resonetics was here together um, with the, the, the vice president tonight in order to solve a, a challenge that we have in a joint customer. So the idea is to create a close collaboration, to create transparency. And it's usually uh, not that simple to get when you're uh, working with two different suppliers. Right. But in that case, because of the close collaboration, we have full transparency, and I think that the customer actually earned from it. Wow. Sounds like a great partnership and a total win-win for everybody. Absolutely. Yeah. Listen, this has been a great conversation. I so much appreciate your time for joining us today, and we'll have to get you back on another time because uh, there's a lot more to talk about. Absolutely. I would love to, and it was my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to MedEx, the medical extrusion podcast presented by U.S. Extruders. Please subscribe to make sure you're getting the latest episodes. All links are available in the show notes.